Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. So today we are in First John. We have come to chapter 5. Chapter 5 looks like it's the last chapter in this small book of First John. McGee refers to this small book as almost like an atom bomb. It's a small book of the Bible <clears throat> with only five chapters, but boy, <clears throat> does it pack a power punch. It just lays out such, such heavy scripture um, so beautifully. This book has been talking about Jesus Christ. The whole thing is centering around Jesus Christ as we've been studying. And, you know, the main points that we've been making is Jesus is the life of the world. He is eternal life. He is life itself. He is the light of the world. And He is love. And in chapter 4, we've been going through a section um, just really describing love. And now we are shifting to eternal life. And uh, we're talking, we're going to be talking uh, what looks like expanding on the fact that Jesus is life. So uh, before we jump into to chapter 5, we need to circle back to chapter 1, and I want to read the first few verses of chapter 1 because it starts off with um, Jesus being life itself. So let's go back to get some context because this letter uh, is really um, expanding these concepts. And so uh, let's, let's look at the first concept of life. Chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, now that's referring to Christ, which we have heard, which, because, you know, remember John, the book of John starts off in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, then the Word becomes flesh, talking about Jesus. So, that which we uh, was from the beginning, which we have heard, you know, hearing the word of Christ, which we have seen with our eyes, that, you know, the word becomes flesh, which we have looked on and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. So 
In other words, Jesus was in the flesh, and after he was raised from the dead, he, you know, uh, let his disciples touch his wounds to understand that he was really, uh, he did suffer. The life was made manifest, okay? So the life was made manifest. Life itself was made manifest so we could see it. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Jesus Christ was there from the beginning. He is here. He is still here. He is the eternal life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Remember John chapter 14, verse 6? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way that we get eternal life. It's, it's not something that we did. It's something that he did for us. And without Jesus doing that for us on the cross, none of us have any hope of eternal life. None of us can access God because we are still in our sins. Jesus was brought into the world to be what's called the propitiation for our sins. In other words, the substitute for our sins. Okay? So Jesus is now referred to, and he and John is really starting off this, you know, first John is really starting off back in chapter one, talking about Jesus in spiritual terms. He refers to him as a, as a spiritual term, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen, which we've looked on, which we've touched with our hands, the word of life. He's describing Jesus as the word of life, the word of God, but also the word of God becoming manifest in the flesh. And Jesus himself as being life itself, not only life itself, but eternal life. Okay, eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Okay, so it was with the Father from the very beginning. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim, this is verse 3, also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So this fellowship, this relationship, is a gift. This ability to have fellowship, to know God, to be in His presence, to be with God, is something even more than these young Christians could have imagined. Because the whole Old Testament is following the rules and regulations to try to clean yourself from sin to be pleasing to God. But John here is saying, look, Jesus Christ offers even more than that. Not only does he purify you and make you pleasing to God, he allows you to have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things, verse 4, so that our joy may be complete. This is a blessing. Joy is referred to as a blessing. It comes from the word beatus, which means blessing. Happiness. So, 
this is the context with which John opens up his letter, and he's talking about Jesus being this eternal life. So now, let's start our study for today with that in mind as we look at chapter 5. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So, as we've said before in some of the other chapters in 1 John, being born, when he's talking to the young Christians as little children, he's not, he's not you know, really referring to them as if, as if he's this letter is written to a, a pediatric group or a daycare center. No, it's really written to, you know, people more on the adult side, but he's referring to them as little children in the spiritual sense because through their faith in Jesus Christ, their faith is, as McGee says, not only who he was, but what he did. They believe in Jesus Christ as the Christ who is the, the one who was there to save the nation, Israel. He is the Savior. He is the Son of God. He is God. He was with God. He is the Word of God made manifest in the flesh. That's who He was. And what He did is he laid down his life. He sacrificed his life for all mankind. And as our pastor, um, Brent Slater, said, he was 100% man and 100% God. So that's something that a lot of the Christians couldn't get her, couldn't get her in their heads. They couldn't believe some of them, that Jesus was 100% God. They, they said, oh, well, maybe he was a, a wise man or a, a prophet, and then he got too popular, so we had to execute him because he, he was blaspheming. You know, he was saying he's, he was equal to God. They just couldn't believe it. And then another bunch of the Christians were probably saying, well, you know, he might have been from God, but, you know, he... The problem with him is, is that he really didn't understand our condition. He was too pious for us. And um, how can Jesus know my situation? And John is saying, no, no, no. He was 100% man. He did understand every one of our afflictions. And he became, he would have to be 100% man to take on 100% of the sin. He had to be an adequate sin offering. If he was just, just a little bit sin, that wouldn't cover our sins. He had to be, God requires 100%, a complete washing of sin. He had to be sin to take away all sin. But yet, he was 100% God in that he has the authority to do it, the authority to wipe away the sin. So how do you get born again? You believe in who he was and what he did. 
And what did he do? He laid down his life on the cross and died. And then was raised from the dead. So that if we believe, we share in his death and then share in his resurrection. And then when we share in his resurrection, we are reborn into new creations. And that new creation is we are born as new believers, but we are now born into the family of God. We are sons of God. We are daughters of God. We are sons. We are children of God. And so that rebirth, that's why John refers to these Christians as children, children of God. And these children now have a relationship with God as their father. They can call him father, just as Christ calls him father. They have a relationship with Christ. They have the gift of his Holy Spirit. They have been anointed, as John says earlier, by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. They have a special anointing. They have the Spirit of God living in them, abiding, as we've talked about, and their spirit abides in God, within the Holy Spirit, within the Spirit of Christ. There is one Spirit, so you have a spiritual context here, to your life, and then you still have a physical context. But your body has been reborn also. So your body is now looked at as the body of Christ. It's not just your body anymore. Your body is now the body of Christ. There is one spirit and one body. And one of the really neat things that First John tells us is now we no longer abide in our old bodies, but we have, we are still in our old bodies, but we are in the body of Christ. That's our physical representation of Christ now. On earth is the body of, of Christ. That's the church. So how does all this occur? John says, if you believe. So if you believe in who he was and what he did, you share in his death, you share in his resurrection, and now you've been resurrected from the dead. And when you think about it, when you've been resurrected from the dead, you've already been raised from the dead, right? And I, during this study, I must confess, that was a big light bulb for me. Because I've seen many, many people pass away. And you think about, well, you know, when Jesus comes back, you know, people get raised from the dead or, you know, their spirit perhaps leaves the body and is with the Lord in heaven right now. But you think about being raised from the dead. But I never really thought about it that you've already been raised from the dead. You are raised from the dead. Your spirit has been raised from the dead already. So within that context, you're still alive, <clears throat> you're still running around the rat race that we call living on earth. The body's still alive, but the spirit 
has been raised from the dead already. And eternal life has already begun. And he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That means when you've been born of God, you've been raised from the dead. You've been reborn as Christ was raised from the dead. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. Who's been born? Everyone who believes. Everyone. Now, you got to stop and just take that, that verse in because it's too powerful. You believe in who Jesus was and what he did, you can you're born again. You're raised from the dead. Understand that. Don't miss that. I've kind of read that all these years, but kept missing it. I think it's the Holy Spirit. You know how he said earlier that the Holy Spirit is there to instruct us and teach us? I think the Holy Spirit did that. Remember back, I guess it was in chapter 1, verse, um, excuse me, back in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 27, but the anointing that you receive from Him, that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit, abides in you. That means the Holy Spirit lives in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, because you know everything about Christ. But His anointing, His Holy Spirit, teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in Him. He's making the reference here that the Spirit of God gives you this anointing, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to college or attend a special class to know what to do. You're, you can believe in Christ and receive the full gifts of God. You don't have to go through a special seminary. It's your belief. Believe in Him. He's already done the work for you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you and continue to teach you. And I think when I was studying this, and I was I was meditating on the words about the Holy Spirit teaching, and I think that gave me a little bit more insight into being born, born of God. Born of God means you've already been raised from the dead. So if you hear this and think about it like this, how comforting it is to live your life now knowing you've already been raised from the dead. No matter what happens to your physical body, you've already been raised from the dead. Live your life now a little bit more relaxed or a lot more relaxed. You've already been raised from the dead. You drive by a graveyard, you say, okay, there you go, but I've already been raised from the dead. Everyone. This is a gift for everyone. Now, you've got to understand sort of another second part of this thing. This is a gift for everyone, but it's also everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So this is a gift to everyone. And then, as we've said earlier, 
back in chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That's like our mini gospel message right there. But you see how that plays out in chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes has been born, has been raised from the dead, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. And sometimes, this is, I mean, so now you've, you've been loved by God, you've received what Jesus Christ did for you, but that's not good enough. God says you've got to do something with that love now. You've got to love one another. That's what He's been telling you. That's, those were the two commandments that Jesus gives, to love God and to love one another. And we've been saying that all throughout this book. And John's been telling us to test the spirits. Whoever's calling on Jesus Christ is a right spirit. Whoever's not is an antichrist spirit against Christ. How do you know that you're doing the right thing? If you're loving one another. If you're loving God and loving one another, that's how you know that God is residing in you. And we just got through saying in chapter 4, verse 21, and this commandment we, we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And the very next you know, verse that comes right after that is chapter 5, verse 1, where we are right now, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. Don't miss that little part either. Because He's saying, whoever else has been born of God, you got to love them. You need to love them. That's His commandment to you. It is a commandment from God that you love. That's what you're commanded to do. And sometimes... That's easier said than done. You've already been raised from the dead as a child of God. God dwells in you. What do you do with that love? You love one another. As your brother, it's not a love out of obligation. It is an unconditional love. Whoever. And that is applicable to maybe somebody you don't like or somebody that makes you uncomfortable or some maybe somebody you're scared of or somebody who will not love you back. Now, when he's saying whoever has been born of him, this is really talking about other Christians. But we'll also see that love applies to people who don't love you back, who are non-Christians. Remember back in chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, how did He love us? He loved us unconditionally. In other words, we didn't deserve His love. We ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another. In other words, we need to love one another as God loved us unconditionally. So it's a love for the, for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. It's a love for, you know, um, whether you're a different race, gender, religion, whoever, whether somebody's going to love you back or hate you, 
it's a love for all. Verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. How do you know you're, you're doing right, you're loving each other? Is you're obeying His commandments. You have to, His commandments, first off and foremost, you got to love God and love one another. And His commandments are not burdensome. So, you want to know who loves God? Look around. Test the spirits. Whoever is loving one another is showing their love for God by how they love one another. We've said in other studies that faith is sort of like the roots of the plant. You can't really see what somebody else's faith looks like because that's their faith in God, but you can see how their faith is manifested above the ground by the flowers that the the fruit that the plant produces. You can see how the plant grows. Is it growing, growing strong? If it is, it must have good roots. It wouldn't grow without good roots. Can't really see the roots, but what you can appreciate is the fruit, the plant. And that's like what faith is. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. So in other words, if you've been born of God, you can tell who's been born of God by seeing whoever is loving his brother, is loving one another. And these commandments are not burdensome. So he is saying that these commandments are to show you how to live, not to restrict your life, but it is your life. And when you're loving one another, that is the way to having and living the best life you can live. It's not a burden at all. It actually is a, is a, a very liberating way to live your life. Being raised from the dead and loving one another as God has loved. It'll keep you out of all kind of trouble. It'll keep you out of all kind of arguments and fights. It'll actually be healthier for you. You won't go through life with bitterness. It'll keep you out of depression. It'll work well for your anxiety when you give it all to God. And you're living your life knowing that you don't have to worry about cancer or heart disease or kidney failure. You can obviously take care of your body, but the other other issue is you have the victory of knowing that you've already been raised from your own death. You have eternal life already. This is not a burdensome commandment. It is a commandment, but they're not burdensome. Why? Because it's a way to live in harmony rather than 
with your own pride, through your own pride, you're living for God. Verse 4, for everyone who has been born of God, in other words, in other words, has been raised from the dead, who has been resurrected from the dead in Christ, overcomes the world. How do you overcome the world? Because you've already been reborn. You have eternal life. You've overcome the world in the death of the world. And this is our victory that has overcome the world. You have eternal life in Christ. You've overcome the world. You've overcome death. And all of the things that, that trap people. You've overcome poverty. You've overcome cancer. You've overcome afflictions. You've overcome the politics. And all of the other things, because you already have eternal life. You are walking around reborn. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. You have victory in your faith. Because it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's verse 1. So in other words, whoever believes, whoever has faith. Whoever has faith. Your faith allows you to overcome the world. It's nothing that you have to achieve. <clears throat> you don't have to take a class or go to seminary. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a certain IQ to sort of understand these deep scriptural... No. God makes it real simple. Whoever believes, whoever trusts, has, gets to overcome the world. Overcome the world in a big way. Eternal life. Our faith is the victory. Verse 5, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There you go. You want to overcome the world, the cancer, the heart disease, the kidney disease, or all the other diseases, or, all the, or the problems that you've got? Overcome the world. The world has so many problems, doesn't it? Overcome that world. Be resurrected in Christ. Be resurrected from the dead already. The kingdom of heaven is now. It is here. And this is such a powerful, powerful statement. John begins the letter talking about eternal life in Christ. And John is concluding his letter talking about eternal life in Christ. So we'll stop here. Tomorrow's Friday. We'll have one more day this week to go through uh, this. We'll take a break for the weekend and then restart on Monday. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali, who I believe is just coming off safari. So um, God bless you all. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll see you tomorrow. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 John chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 all the way to verse 4. 
We are now in the last major division of the book of 1 John. And this division is titled God is Life. In the first part of this book, the first division was titled God is Light. Then we came to the second division, which was titled God is Love. So we, 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 we have seen the three attributes of God which are listed in this book, that's God is light, God is love, and God is life. So now the subject is God is life. And Dr. J.V. McGee has divided this division into two sections. So from verses 1 to verse 5, we have the section titled Victory Over the World. And the world here, the answer, victory over the world, and that's the world, victory for the believer and the world that's being talked about here is the cosmos world that is the world uh, with all of its governments and the world with all of its systems and all of its greed selfishness and sin and then we have from verses 6 to verse 21 the section is titled assurance of salvation so we have two sections Victory over the world and assurance of salvation. So victory over the world for the believer and then assurance of salvation for a believer. So first one of First John chapter 5 reads, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also him who is begotten of him. So we're in the section titled God is life and that life comes from being born of God so this is the method that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ and John has stated it in the book of John that's John 1 verse 11 let me just turn there and read and from verse 11 it reads he came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name so here John makes it clear that's in John 1 verse 11 he makes it he makes this clear that it is faith only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he came to his own and they did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave, you know, the right, the authority to become the sons of God. Even to them who just simply believe on his name, just by believing. So when one trusts Christ, one trusts who he is as well as what he did. Because what he did has, you know, no value if he's not who he says or who he said that he was. So the virgin birth here is very essential. Um, so it, it's, it, it's, Christianity encompasses in two things. You know, his virgin birth, like who he is, and what he did for us, he died for us on the cross. So it's faith that produces the new birth. So now that he's born again, you know, a believer is born again, a, person, a Christian is born again, you and I are born again. How, you know, what assurance do we have? How do we know this? So we know this when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you are born again and God has become you know your heavenly father and he is our heavenly father and we are begotten of him so we love him and it does not just end there it also means that we love the one that that's actually begotten of him and you know this is others um you know other believers as well our brethren um other children of god so we not only love god we also love our brethren so he said this before to john oh and john has actually stated that this was not new so this is not something that's new uh this is something uh, that john stated that they had heard from the beginning so the lord jesus christ had said by this all men he said to his disciples by this all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another so when you actually have faith you're born again and you believe just faith and you're indwelt with the holy spirit and fruits are produced and you know the first fruits that's actually mentioned that everything else stems on is love so the lord jesus christ commanded their his disciples to actually have love for one another so if you have trusted the lord jesus christ as your savior that means that you're born again and the proof of it is that you're going to love god that's our heavenly father so he begot you and you will love god's other children as well that's uh, one of the marks the birthmarks of a christian so you're going to love um god's other children because they are our brothers and sisters So in this epistle John has been giving us detail of how one can have that assurance of our salvation. So here are some of the evidences or marks that one is a child of God. So back in um this very book that's 1 John and that's chapter 2 verse 29 it reads let me just go back So chapter 2 verse 29 of first John reads If you know that he is righteous you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him Okay So to practice righteousness in our lives the practice um of you know our lives and you know to practice it actually to live it in our lives and not just to just do it once as a one stop thing you need to practice it you need to live it so you will actually stumble you know as 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 a christian you know every day i stumble and i fall short of the glory of god but i pick myself up and i go back to the father i get up so to practice righteousness is one of the um attributes the marks that are mentioned and then the second evidence is one does not have to practice you know one does not practice sin and we find this in chapter 3 of 1st John verse 9 which reads whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God so this is the second evidence so this means you know not to live in sin uh not to make sin one's life so will you will stumble you will fall but you know like the prodigal son he didn't continue living in the pig pen 
because he's a child of God. And the third evidence is in this particular uh, chapter that we're in. That's chapter 4 of verse 7. So this is another te test that, you know, will give us assurance um, to us that you're actually a child of God and you're born again. So one ought to love. That's one ought to love other Christians. And this is um, chapter 4, verse 7, which reads, Beloved, let us love one another for love for the for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God so that's the, that's the third evidence that's um that's you know we are his children that's love love not only of God but love of our brethren and then the fifth evidence is one keeps himself from Satan and this is in this chapter that we're in and that's at verse 18, which reads, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So um, that's the fifth evidence to keep himself from the wicked one. That's Satan, and this is what I just read. So two of the five evidences of a child of God are in this chapter and John will actually John also emphasizes certain tests of you know true sonship which is love obedience and truth so um, these are the other three things that John has emphasized on which are marks of a child of God so you have to have love you have to be obedient to the father so for you to have love you have to be obeying his commandments and you have to have truth verse 2 of our study we continue chapter 5 it reads by this we know that we love the children of god when we love god and keep his commandments so here his commandments that are being talked about are not referring to the old testament law they are the commandments the lord jesus christ gave when he was here like over 1900 years ago and we have this in first thessalonians 5 that's um there are about 22 commandments that are listed that the Lord Jesus Christ gave. And this is from um, from verse 16. Let me just turn there. Yeah, from verse 16. It says, rejoice always. That's one commandment. We're always supposed to be joyous and praising God. And pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. So do not grieve the spirit, do not um, despise prophecy, you know, and so on and so forth. So there were 22 um, commandments that are listed that the Lord Jesus Christ gave when he was here. And these are for believers and every child of God wants to actually keep these commandments. So it's a practice of a believer. You know, it has to be a believer's life. It's something that a believer, a child of God, desires to do. Something that a child of God longs and wants to do. Not something that's, you know, like a chore. Like, oh, you know, this is something that's like just tedious and all. It shouldn't be like that. You know, as a child of God, you should find joy in, you know, the things of God. 
We should enjoy, we should have joy when we go to church and worship the Lord Jesus Christ and worship God. Verse 3 goes on to read, For this is the love of God, that we keep the, His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. So this means here that they are not, you know, to be imposed on. They are not a burden when they are kept. Um and not that you know they're actually difficult to keep no they shouldn't be difficult to keep and this is what a child of god wants to do and should practice you know the commandments that were given so if you love the lord jesus christ you will obey his commandments and his commandments are not grievous so this is the love of god that we actually keep his commandments because we love him and when we love the lord jesus christ you know, that love will manifest towards our brothers and sisters in the faith. Verse 4 goes on to read, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So here, faith overcomes the world, and it's the only way in which you and I will actually be able to overcome this world. Because we're in the world, but we're not of this world. So if we want to overcome the world, we should have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are in the world. We are not to become of it. We are in, you know, a bad, wicked world. It's a bad, wicked, wicked, sorry, miserable world. So let us keep the faith and let us be obedient. Let us love one another and let us be truthful. And, you know, God commanded if we love him, let us keep his commandments. If we want that assurance that we are his children, let us check ourselves. You know, you can't walk around hating other people and loving God and claiming you're a child of God. That is hypocrisy. So let us have that love in us. Let us learn to love, to practice righteousness, not learn. Let us learn to practice righteousness. And um, yes, let us have faith because we're not of the world, but we're in the world today. So this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. Very powerful teaching. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. God bless you all and have a pleasant Thursday. Bye-bye.